You're listening to The Local Maximum, episode 263. Time to expand your perspective. Welcome to The Local Maximum. Now, here's your host, Max Sklar. Welcome, everyone. Welcome. You have reached another local maximum today in the studio with Aaron. Uh, Look at this. Look, we have some new camera angles today. The local maximum has gone 3D. I think that's. um, I think that was missing before. I think. I think the the angles they were kind of. um, They were a little too flat. I didn't put on my my special glasses. No. Yes. Well, you don't need special glasses for this. But for the one percent of you watching this on video, you'll now see this room from a different angle. Maybe we'll see more as a. As time goes by. So first of all, Aaron, thank you for coming on the show today uh, at uh, past midnight. Really appreciate it. Uh, It's it's good to be here at uh, Local Maximum Labs. Yes, yes, exactly. All right. And specifically talking about Local Maximum Labs, uh, today we're talking about this new paper that I put out called uh, Relative Probability on Finite Outcome Spaces. Oh, good. We got it on both both (laughs) angles here. Uh, (laughs) So um, now I feel like this would be a long, dry kind of um, uh, a, 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 a demo or explanation of my academic paper. <clears throat> so it starts with uh, these premises and we work to that. We're not going to do that today. Okay. I don't think I'm not going to do some whiteboarding. Not, I mean, not the full walkthrough, you know, proof by proof. No, maybe I'll do that at some point. But I just want to talk about, you know, how did I spit out this, uh, this 30 page paper? But I, you know what? I'm just going to, I know you, you read it. Uh, through quite thoroughly, so why don't I hand it over to you and uh, and just let you ask me about it? Um, and yeah, try so, to figure so, out what's going on here. So, relative probability on finite outcome spaces. Uh, yes, the subtitle: A systematic examination of its axiomization, properties, and applications. Axiomatization. We actually well, did that's, a. That's a mouthful. We actually did a, a an episode on the uh, axioms of probability. I should look up what number is, is that it is. Kamolgorov, or yes. is that how you pronounce it? That's how I pronounce okay. it. Okay. <laughs> uh, interestingly enough, uh, he he comes up as a uh, frequently referenced character in uh, a fictional book I'm I'm reading, but oh, but I that is not that. the subject of this evening's episode. Okay. So uh, so so yeah, and, and let's try to keep it something that the average person would understand. But I don't know. Well, that, I don't that, know if that, we're gonna be able to do that. That gets to to my my third question on my list here. So we'll jump right into that. Yeah. Who is the target audience for this? Okay, so the target audience for this is, um, so that's a good question. This is not like a, 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 a document that is written like purely for graduate students or for something on the PhD level where you really need a lot of background to understand the mathematics I'm talking about. Uh, the mathematics in here is um, advanced from the perspective of like a non-mathematician, but it's not something that like an undergrad who's who's studying uh, math in the undergraduate level uh, can't grasp. And it's not something, uh, and it has definitely lots of parts in it that, that anyone can grasp if you are uh, thinking about probability. And so the, the actual like constructions in it, like I know that um, sometimes you're you're reading through math papers and they're like, or physics papers too. And they're like, well, imagine this five dimensional manifold that you're going to do a triple integral on. And, you know, or, you know, imagine, um, uh, you know, if, if you're talking about infinity, you know, imagine, um, imagine a, uh, an infinite set that is, uh, 
uh, countable, and then another one that is uh, uncountable of level three, and try to you know yeah, put say, function into one of the. There's nothing here that's conceptually like hard. It should be stuff that that is pretty straightforward conceptually. So it's not something that if you have trouble grasping, like it, it's it, it gets abstract, but it's not complicated. I, I hope that. Yeah, so, so there's there's some mention of simplexes, uh, which we talked oh, yes. about on a previous episode. I should get these episode numbers because we don't have them. I mean, they, I don't I don't have any uh, electronic devices, which are probably good. Uh, for, well, <laughs> this whole thing is electronic devices, but I didn't bring my laptop no interruptions. In yeah, no interruptions. Uh, but 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 when you bring up the simplexes, uh, I, I think you make the point here as as we may have uh, and we have kind of to touched on it. when when yeah. we when we discussed that on a previous episode that. You know, we're we're not going to get into four and five and beyond dimensional simplexes. That that's that's not required for what you're what you're laying out here. Right, right. The only the only deal with a simplex is that if you have three events and you're trying to figure out what the there's three things that could happen, and you're trying to figure out like what the probability is between those three events. You know, you could have. Um, you could have all 100% of the probability be on one event. You could have two of them divided 50-50 or, or something. Yeah, it's, and then it's, it's simply have... another way to represent that uh, right, right. mathematically. So, so, so those three numbers that add up to one, those live in a triangle, and that is a two-dimensional simplex. And so, um, you know, and uh, four numbers, they, they uh, live in a tetrahedron. And two numbers, they just live in a line segment because it's either, you know, either 100% on one side or 100%. It's, a, it's either uh, uh, all weighted towards tails or all weighted towards heads if you're doing the, the weighted coin example. So it's really not – so, okay, even if we can't visualize, you know, more than three dimensions there, you could still imagine, okay, there's five different possibilities here. What's a situation where there's five different possibilities? Um, well, I'm not thinking off the top of my head. Uh, there, there's got to be okay, a five-sided well, die. Yeah. Or, okay. Well, why don't we just use a six-sided die? I mean, you know, a weighted die that has six sides. Um, we don't really know. You know. Okay. Like, yes, it's living on a on a five-dimensional simplex in terms of like what the numbers. But look, the probability of each side is a number, and they add up to one. And so, it's just that space of what's the possible configuration right. of the weights of that die. How do you how do you explain the weights of that die? And that is what a simplex is to me from the probabilistic so point of view. I think we've already gotten too far down into the weeds. We have. Let's, we have. Let's take a step back. Uh, so, relative probability. Uh, what what is what is the the big takeaway here? What is what is the main message? And so my 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 high level. Uh, yeah, I'd like is, to hear is, what your, is that yours is you, first because you, I, I kind of wrote this as like this comes out of just how I've been thinking for a long time, and then I had to pare down what I've been thinking, and so. Well, I, I have a process question about that later, but yeah, before yeah. we get to that, so yeah. so so what is the pitch here? My my very high level understanding is is that you're talking about okay, uh, there may be some cases where where classically, if we're comparing probabilities, uh, if if we have you know. Uh, known uh, 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 definite probabilities or, or, or uh, absolute probabilities, we can we can compare those to other known absolute probabilities. But if we don't have a, uh, I think what you refer in in this context as an anchor probability probability for something, uh, it, how, how do we compare things that that we don't know? We we know how they relate to each other, but not necessarily how they relate to uh, a a kind of external objective measure. Um, well, uh, th that's right. So there's like a few different um, ways of looking at this. I mean, one is just, okay, 
every event has a probability associated with it. And you're thinking about probability and you could just think in terms of, okay, you know, if um, A is twice as likely as B and B is three times as likely as C, then we know that A is six times as likely as C. I mean, that's just and, simple and mathematics. And we can, we can and, make that determination without knowing that A has a you know, 50% chance. We, we don't need that right. in, in order to make reasonable comparisons between A, B, and C. Right, right. So that, that's, that's true, and that's, that's already true. Um, but there's the question of, do we need to have absolute probability at all? I mean, so right now, if you use the Kolmogorov axioms, you're assuming that every event has some absolute probability. We could talk about Kolmogorov axioms. We've talked about it on, on, uh, before on the show, like why are they so popular? And it's not, now in mathematics, it's not that people poke holes in axioms. Axioms are not are like assumptions. They're not something that you could poke holes in. You can't like prove them false or anything. Uh, but it's it's almost like an organizational question. And so once you have a standard of how a certain mathematical object is organized, it kind of sticks. So that's what I'm kind of poking a hole a little bit into it. What if we organize it in in a, in a sense that really we only care about how things how likely things are relative to each other? So maybe you could think, okay the absolute probability is, you know, what's the probability that this coin lands on heads in relation to the probability that the sun comes up tomorrow? Well, the sun comes up tomorrow, uh, probably probability around one. So the coin landing on heads uh, relative to that, you, you could get some measure of absolute probability, but it's like, okay, let's, uh, let's imagine at the fundamental level, we really only care about the relative uh, uh, ratios. And so that's, that's sort of my question, because when you're doing a Bayesian inference and when, you're, and when you're searching for hypotheses in a Bayesian question, oftentimes you're only caring about those ratios. So I was like, all right, why don't we make it official and actually make our mathematics reflect that as well? So that's, that, that, that's sort of how I've been thinking about it. Now, do, do you... I guess what what do you foresee is 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 there a a kind of an aha moment here or a a killer use case where oh thinking about it this way as opposed to the, some of the more traditional approaches gives you an edge in in something or it's or it's uh, you know particularly well suited to a a specific use case or or is it more of a kind of a thought exercise? So I I would say it's hmm, like I don't I don't think it's just a thought exercise. I think it's more of a hey, I want to develop all of these theories and ideas, and it's nice to have kind of a basic foundation, a foundational change that I can reference back to. And so that's what this kind of is. So like, it's sort of like, a, um, it's sort of like questioning the foundations of probability theory. Uh, and so I think, in t now, th there's some interesting, like, kind of, um, there's some interesting use cases here. There's no, like, um, yeah, there's no, uh, um, there's no great theorem, no great result or anything like that. But there's some interesting um, kind of points that uh, I think I want to go through. Uh, so one of them is so one of them is the uh, problem, the philosophical problem, and this has been people have a lot of ways of dealing with this. But this is from uh, Borel. It's actually there's actually like a there. There is a, a, a paradox named after it. It's like the Borel paradox or something like that. But it's like, okay, what is the probability that a point on the Earth is um, in the 
Western Hemisphere, given that it's on the equator. And so the way you usually solve that is, okay, the problem that, what's the probability that a point is on the Western Hemisphere and on the equator, uh, divided by the probability that it's on the equator. And the probability of both is zero because the probability that you're exactly on the equator, assuming that we have some like uniform distribution over the earth. So like um, you have this problem where you lose conditional probability and you lose the ability to compare probability zero events. But when you, when you go from finite to infinite, uh, all of a sudden in mathematics, you get lots of probability zero events. Like all of these uniform distributions that were, or uh, continuous distributions that we're talking about, all of the individual events there are probability zero. So it's, you know, like um, take a uniform number between zero and one. What's the probability you get 0.5? Zero. So, it, it, so you want to be able to, to compare those events. And so I came, I sort of wanted to look at a framework uh, to do that. I sort of say, I was going to say I developed a framework. I think I developed a framework. I mean, I also point out like other people who have done things very similar to what I did, but I sort of am more uh, inspired by the work that I've done in the, in the 21st century here. <laughs> so uh, there is another uh, um, part kind of towards the end, um, or two parts towards the end, which is like, why is this interesting? I mean, one is like, I look at common probability distributions from the standpoint of them being ratios. And so the formulas change. Sometimes the formulas, formulas simplify. So that's kind of nice. And then, and we know this in Bayesian statistics a lot because we have that denominator that, um, what's it called? Like the, the, the probability of the data, the, the, it's called the joint, the joint distribution, whatever it is, it always cancels out. So let's make it official. Let's have it always cancel <laughs> out. And then, um, uh, I have this uh, interesting uh, digital representation, like how can you represent these probabilities now that you're not literally writing down a list of numbers for that uh, six-sided die? Uh, what, what do you have now that you need a relative distribution? And then I also talk about um, topology and, and limits. And so this is an, kind and, of... And we've had a couple of topology-related episodes in the past. We have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so... Um, uh, one of the uh, points I'm making is that, okay, let's suppose that, um, I don't know, we have our, uh, do I want to go with the six-sided die? Let's just do with the three events, okay? Let's say we have three events. I'm not even going to pick an example here. I'm just going to use A, B, and C. Sorry, folks, for not picking a concrete example, but I'm, like, really bad at thinking of a <laughs> concrete example on the spot. So let's say that we know that, like, A is twice as likely as B. Okay, and then we know that the probability of C is 90%, and the probability of A and B together is, is 10%. Now, don't worry, I'm not going to make you solve what, what the individual ones of A and B are, but, but you can do it, right? So think of it, there's this tiny probability of either A or B, huge probability of C, but we know that A is twice as likely as B. Now, increase the probability of C. So C is 90%. Now say that C is 99%. Now say that C is 99.9%. So we have C kind of approach 100%. And A and B together, they approach 0%. Now, if you're in the world of absolute probability, when you take that limit, you end up with the, um, with the probability uh, distribution there of C equals 1 and A and B equals 0. 
And so that corresponds to a vertex on the, on the triangle, on the simplex. So that's kind of right. nice. And so in that case, we're, we're losing some valuable information right. about uh, that relationship between A and B as they both approach zero. Exactly, exactly. But if your fundamental object is based on relative probability, you're keeping that information when you take that limit. So I think that's, um, I, I don't know if it's useful in terms of like, oh, I'm just going to plug that into a machine learning problem. It'll fix something like that. Not like that, but it's, it's a useful framework uh, if you're dealing with that issue um, and you're dealing with conditional probability on zeros, which is, um, which is what the, uh, which is what the Borel uh, equator problem is. So, uh, so there's that. And then there's also, um, yeah. And, and, there's some other interesting things. There's some connections to category theory that I don't get into too much, but I think it's kind of interesting that this is actually what I've described here is actually a category. And so I'm not a category theorist, and I don't. Um, I talked about it last episode um, in prep preparation for this. Why is category theory interesting? And so I don't have the answer to like what this means, but I found that the rel a relative probability function, as I described it, is also a category, which is pretty cool. So I, I, I was going to ask you for some real-world examples or use cases, and, and, and while we didn't uh, give a, a concrete grounding for that here, we, we, we kind of got to that in, in, in that last exchange. I, yeah. I, I actually do have an example uh, well, in, in the well, paper. I'm, I'm, I'm trying yeah. to think of, of a case. Like, is there a case where uh, – so, so there's a whole section about uh, how to apply this to uh, to – Bayesian probability, right? Yeah, um, which which is something that I I feel like even going back to uh, episode zero, we were talking about uh, yes. Bayesian probability and and priors and posteriors. Uh, so 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 we've got a long history with that. But um, when when I think of of uh, Bayesian probabilities, uh, I I frequently think of metaculus. Uh, so is there a case where where this kind of framework for thinking would help me make? better predictions on metaculus or, or can you think of a, you know, a, a way to kind of plug it into that? I, I think it might. Model? I, I actually think it might now that I think about it and I'm kind of thinking about this on the, um, I'm thinking about this uh, uh, more kind of um, uh, on the fly. I didn't think about this beforehand, but you're trying to predict things on metaculus. Why don't we do exactly what we do here and try to predict the the relative probability of different events on metaculus. Like, let's say you have something where, okay, I'm having a hard time predicting the probability of this event, but you have two events that are kind of related, and oftentimes things on metaculus are kind of related, like maybe some of the political elections or maybe like, uh, you know, some of the... Um, some of the economic predictions could be kind of related. And you're like, okay, well, maybe... Um, instead of trying to go directly with the absolute probability, I can try to figure out uh, how how things relate to each other. Like I said, is this twice as likely as this other thing? Is this yeah. well, is, and, this, is about as likely as this other thing? And if you could if you could do that, you could maybe multiply your good. You could maybe uh, create a leveraged bet by if you bet on one thing, you can bet on all the other things where you figured out the the relative. So and and, and there are some questions on metaculus that are I I. I I usually kind of think of them as almost meta questions, um, but but where uh, the the thing being predicted is dependent on uh, either some other outcome uh, or 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 dependent on the resolution of some other metaculous question. Right. Um, so so I, I don't know. In a in a political one, for example, it would be uh, you know thinking back to the midterms. It was you know if the Republicans take the House, uh, how many seats will they take it by? And so right. It, 
I mean, that's that's not exactly a ratio there, but it's a conditional. Uh, but 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 it's conditional, and and conditional is is kind of a step towards that relative probability. It's not exactly the same, yeah. but it, but it's it's related. Well, it's the probability of a given b is the probability of a and b divided by the probability of b. So it's it's a relative probability of two events. One event happens to be um, uh, a, a, a subset of the other, but it's it's still the relative probability of, of two events. So it's, it would almost be like, what's the probability I get heads given that I got either heads or tails? Right. You know, so, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, stepping back a little bit, and, and you, you, you kind of touched on this when we were talking earlier, but, but what was the inspiration for this? Um, I mean, was this something that, that was, was there a particular... Uh, moment that sparked this or this is just something you've kind of been dabbling around the edges of for a while or the, definitely the latter something i've been dabbling around the edges for a while because um i mean as far back as when i was in, in grad school when i was first kind of really trying to grasp um uh probability on the on the fundamental level um i just i, I feel like the our, i feel like our mental model of it is good and the, the mathematics of it is pretty good. And in fact, some of the higher level mathematics of probability theory, like there, there's actually a lot that I don't understand yet. But um, it, 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 I feel like there's something fundamental that, that, is, that is open to change, that's open to like kind of rearranging how we think about it. Now, so this is sort of based on, um, and, and I've always kind of been interested in this concept of like measure theory. Like why is mathematical measure so difficult to define. Why do you need such high-level mathematics to define ma to, to define a measure, which which you do, um, and uh, and so what other ways are there of doing it, basically? And so I think kind of my just real-world experience of doing um, Bayesian inference and searching searching spaces, searching hypothesis spaces, and all of the algorithms for that are based on, you know, relative, um, uh, you know, relative probabilities between things, most machine learning algorithms, when you're looking at, you know, gradient descent and whatnot, um, the gradient descent on the lost function often is some kind of a uh, derived from a probability. And when you're, you're searching that you're, you're often thinking about the ratio. So it's like, Okay, in a lot of cases in 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 applied math, it's only the ratio that mattered. So, I would I could just say, okay, great, let's focus on the ratio and let let me do that for my applied project. But I also tend to think backwards. Okay, and now that I'm thinking about the ratio, how do we derive everything from it? So it's like, okay, I could just go forward and do what works without thinking about it, or I could also go backward and try to shore up some theory as well. Very cool. Uh so, so I, I guess I've, I've got a process question I want to ask you as okay. well. But uh, before I get to that, you, you, I saw that you cited uh, at least one piece of your previous work, but it, it oh, doesn't seem it. that 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 this grew directly out of that. That this isn't really you know a sequel to your your previous uh, previous paper um, as no. as much as as they they kind of have some adjoining vertices. Uh, in, in, in their geometry. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I feel like I have a lot of papers out that could have a really good sequel, uh, including this one and, and including that other one that has good future work, but I keep introducing new crap. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> no, but I do think I'm going to actually go back and do some of those sequels eventually. It's just like 
when do you do the future work? And I think my answer is when either when I'm inspired to do it or when it's like it becomes kind of necessary because I actually have a problem. Like on the last one, there was a lot of questions on sampling and like there was some future work that I need to do for different type of sampling. If I run into a real world problem where I have to solve it, then sure, sure I'll write it down. Absolutely. Yeah, Because well, yeah. in that case, yeah, if, if once you solved it, you might as well uh, might as well document it for right. for, for others to, to leverage. Right. And so I think that the main connection between this one and the last one, the last one, um, you know, talked a lot about supervised machine learning um, and the Bayesian interpretation of it and really just talks about how, um, you know, the different um, algorithms for searching models, which is really training models. It's kind of funny because um, I think I read on Twitter some, somewhere where someone said, you didn't train your model. Your model always existed as a mathematical object. You simply searched for it. So, okay, whatever. Uh, I, I don't know what to use <laughs> in, that, in that case. But um, when, you're, when you're training your model... Um, it's, 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 it's like you, you, right. you spoke the platonic solid exactly. into, into existence. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, so w when you're training a model, it's kind of like um, you are, uh, uh, you know, you, you're, you're searching the space and you're looking at the ratio between probabilities. Do you have a good ratio, a bad ratio? What's going on there? And then there are a bunch of different ways to, to figure out how to, how to navigate that. And so, like, I have a list of lots of different... Um, algorithms besides just gradient descent that well, I mean gradient descent is is pretty simple it's just like how do you <laughs> when's that ratio going up at the fastest pace which direction do you go and you go in that direction so that's that's a pretty good one um, but um, but there are other ones as well and it's like okay if I'm if I'm doing this stuff and the ratio matters in all of them then therefore this is an interesting problem to to solve so that that's the connection between the two and of course this one is it's finite outcome spaces. I feel like the the whole um, ratio kind of thing gets weirder and more interesting in infinite spaces. But the fact is, I had thirty pages to write on finite spaces, <laughs> so, so I had to I had to start with that. So, so process wise, yeah. Uh, you 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 already mentioned that this this goes back to you know things you started thinking about way back in 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 grad school. Right. Um, so, so it's, it's something that's been percolating in your mind for, right. for a while. And it's also but, in terms of trying to wrap my head around measure theory, which I feel like I've never quite been able to wrap my head around and just coming back to it every few years being like, okay, how should we understand measure? theory? <laughs> and then I come, And then I, I came out with this. So, so my, my, my hard hitting question here is, yeah. uh, well, I, I, I guess the first Easy question first is is how long did it take you to to a to write the paper right. and b uh, well I, I guess we kind of already covered this how long did it take you to think through and so it sounds like the, the think through question is you've been thinking about this for years before you before you yeah, but, put uh, put words to paper yeah but, but the problem is like I started in the um, I don't even remember when I started it was probably sometime when was the tech retreat it was like um, was it. July or August? Yeah, I guess we did we did it this, this oh, it summer. Yeah. Had I started it then? Probably. Well, you know what? Look, this is on GitHub, so we could tell when I <laughs> when I started really working on it. I probably created it some time ago. But, um, but close think, to close to half a right. year. I think it was no, no, no. It wasn't a half a year. I, I you know, I, I was working on newmap.ai. Um I kind of 
lost steam a little bit of that. I'm kind of returning to it a little bit now. So this was uh, your, your so, break from that to, yeah. to change gears a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I started writing it, and it took a few weeks to get it together. But then you realize, oh, my God, my thinking is a little bit off. And then you have to, like, rearrange some things. And well, and then the That and is the exactly the takes, question I wanted to get yeah. to was – so, so when you sat down two, to write months. this, yeah. how much was the idea fully formed? And, and it took you a couple of months to get, you know, the, the wording just right and, and to get your, your, the concept out of your head onto paper. And how much of it was as you started to, to codify all of this, your thinking developed further and, and there were, there were some, you know, maybe, maybe unsolved aspects of it that, that you didn't really uh, figure out how it all, all dovetailed together until you'd started working on the paper itself. Oh, it was when I started, Aaron, I thought that I had it all figured out, and all I had to do was write it down, and then it'd be good, uh, and then I could just put it out, and so it'd be. Like and it sounds easy. like you were mistaken. Oh, I was I was badly <laughs> mistaken. Uh, so first of all, um, it turned out that that some of the you think it's pretty simple, right? It's just a bunch of numbers that add up to one. How complicated could it be? Uh, but no, it turned out that some of my formulas for um, well, coming I, up with the relative probability of events is, oh, oh, I'm sorry, adding division. Is that so hard? No, it's going to be easy. But then it turned out that like some of the formulas, and I, I want to, I always want to get like, what is the, um, what is the most generalizable formula and what is the most elegant formula? That's what I'm going for. And so like some of my formulas for events were wrong. And it's like, well, how do you define the probability of an event, which is multiple, um, uh, 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 multiple um, outcomes, multiple outcomes, right? Yeah, and 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 there's also this problem where some outcomes become uncomparable, and how do you deal with those? What if you have an event where two of the outcomes inside it are uncomparable? I uh, just, uh, I kind of skipped over that. I had to say <laughs> we're not dealing with that because I I tried and I was like, yeah, I got for I, I might be able to deal with it to some extent, but I don't want to. There's nothing. There's nothing uh, conclusive here. Um, and then as I started doing it, so, and then I started looking at the topology, right? And the topology was really interesting. I had this whole, and I put, ended up putting it in the appendix. I had this whole scheme for defining a topology on a relative probability function. Um, but then it turned out that um, I could prove what I wanted to in a much less elegant but much easier way uh, just by saying, look, you know, it's, you know, a um, uh, in topology, you're looking for compactness. That means that, um, or, or, or basically, you're looking to f see if something is closed. Like, uh, is it closed under limits? Um, you know, so so does does the object contain its boundary, right? And so the simplex, the simplex contains its boundary because, um, you know, it's like a let's say the, the, the two dimensional is like a triangle and three dimensional space. And we kind of already have all the theorems and stuff to know like how that works. And it's a triangle that does contain its boundary. So, so, so that's not hard, that hard. The problem is the relative probability function. It's not, it's not just the triangle. It's because a whole bunch of different values live on that vertex because if C is a hundred percent, A and B still can vary uh, between them. So mm. it's so that there's a lot that lives in that point, but it's, it's like, okay, but, you know, if any two numbers have a relative value, then now instead of living in a in a three in a four in a three dimensional space, it lives in a six dimensional space. And I'm just like, well, it's Euclidean space mathematically, and uh, so we can now say that it's uh, it's a um, uh, it's so so it's was, was this the uh, the hexagon diagram? 
a little bit, yeah. But that so that's actually kind of hard. So I feel like for, for that's those very following tricky. at home. Uh, yeah, you 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 talk about it, and I'll I'll say wh- which section to call that out in. So. so if if the relative probability between A and B can still vary, if C is a hundred percent, then you're no longer living on a triangle. Uh, you're living on something else where the vertex of the triangle has lots of values and. I thought that you might be able to model that as a hexagon, but it turns out that like, you know, um, it turns out that it's tough because uh, it, it doesn't quite work as nicely as you'd want it to. And then in multiple dimensions, there are like, there are values hidden in the sides and values hidden in the vertices. And it's like, I don't, and that's in the, so it's in future work. Like, I don't know if there's a way to nicely describe the shape. And so that's kind of an interesting question. I, 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 I'm guessing there's probably a mathematician that exists in the world who has some really great insight into this, but um, but I don't know it. But it, but I I find this an interesting question, and there's and so if you could show that um, up to the yeah I I don't know if this will show up on the camera oh, okay. but uh, we we can see it here for those see, following at home yeah. section ten dot three embedding uh, yeah. embedding in lower dimensional Euclidean space right but the, but the problem is so you'd think that point always lives in the middle of the somewhere in the hexagon but it turns out that sometimes that point can actually go outside the hexagon that's a little uh, trippy so, yeah so like <laughs> there's there's some problems there so I. Uh, I, I I think it's a I think that's an interesting question. So so we we kind of wandered into the future work section. There's right. there's a couple of things you called out there as future work. Um, do do you have any uh, immediate intentions to delve into that future work yourself, or is is that uh, something that you're 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 going to be changing gears again? Uh, well, oh, what, what what are you working on next? Really yeah. is where I'm going with so that. So I'm going to be changing gears again, um, although. I really do think I will come back to a future future work section. Um, so, I mean, look, I'm, I'm going to be very busy. I'm on a job search now, and so I might have less time for this, especially as I, as I get a job. By the way, that's such a pain in the neck these days. Uh, <laughs> how many hacker rank exams do I have to take? Um, uh, even though I've worked for uh, How like hard could it be? Years. Like you said, you know, it's, if, it's, it's just a bunch of numbers that add up to one. You, you, machine learning, it's, it's just ones and zeros. It's, it's two numbers. <laughs> I'll tell that to rec- the recruiter next time. Um, so, uh, but, uh, but I do have some options. Well, I'm hopefully get, getting to a point where I'm going to have some options. But in terms of local maximum labs, I think that the next step is to come back to newmap.ai. And one of the, like, one of the basic ideas in newmap.ai is to boil all of data into the key value pair. That's that's what I'm calling a map here. And so those are very common in computer science. Um, and uh, they're, they're very general, like uh, an object, an object-oriented programming is a key value pair on the, on the fields. And, uh, and like, you know, a dictionary in, in Python is a key value pair, but so is like a, 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 a database with a, with a, with a, uh, a primary key. So there's a lot of things that are key value pairs in computer science. And so um, I think NewMap has a really interesting way of like categorizing all the different ways those come up. And so I feel like that might be a good thing to write about. Um, and then um, now, and then I feel like a lot of these projects are going to converge, but it's going to be take like 10 years. So like, give me some time. So, so, so for those of you out here, out there, like, 
take care of yourself. You need to live a long time <laughs> in order to get to uh, uh, the end of this. The end of this work. So, so there there is a section uh, under the Bayesian inference uh, and and on relative distributions bit uh, about digital representation. Oh yeah. Now, w- when you were writing that, did you have? You don't mention new map AI in there, but but yeah. were, were you thinking specifically about how you would implement this type of thing within the paradigm of new map, or, or is well, that... I was actually thinking about. I mean, yes. Yeah, so uh, th- just because I was thinking in that direction, I'm talking about here are the functions that you have to implement in order to um, in order to get this working. Uh, like you know, if I were to create a library, like a library in Python or, or Scala or whatever, that kind of captures this way of thinking. And um, as I was writing it, I was like, "Oh, this should come with code." But then, writing it got really hard and time-consuming, and I was like, "Nah, I'll just write how to write the code, and then someone else will do it." So that's what I'm hoping someone else will do. <laughs> if you read the paper, look at the digital representation section and write a little library for it. It actually. I don't think it's a bad project. I think it will be a project that will take someone like um, you could do it over a weekend easily. Probably less for some well, people. Well, if if those of you uh, out there who are who are so inclined, uh, not not only has has Max laid out some interesting future work that that you could uh, embark upon, but it sounds like there's an opportunity for a uh, uh, a local Maximum Lab collaboration on yeah. on implementing some of these ideas. It's uh, actually and and you'd be surprised for those of you who are coders out there, you'd be surprised at how easy it is to implement relative probability as stated in, in section eight, three, I think. So, so, if, so you've if heard you it from the horse's mouth. It, it is trivial yeah. to implement. Uh, so go forth. <laughs> I don't know if I say trivial, but <laughs> no, no. But so uh, I, I, if someone wants to do it, definitely let me know. And um, we'll, I'll, I'll feature you on the podcast. So Very that's cool. great. All right. I think, do you have anything else or are we, uh, uh no, I, I, I wanted to make sure we talked about kind of kind of next steps or, or, or f- future work, uh, and, and, and we covered that. So right. unless there's there's something else you want to say, obviously uh, places it can be found, uh, it, it is it is on archive, but you'll have a link on the website. Um, yeah. do, do you have a section well, on on the uh, the podcast website that is that links to all of your slash papers? labs slash okay, localmaxradio.com slash labs, and of course slash two sixty three will get it. It's not hard to find my papers, uh, <laughs> papers online. I hope I get some, uh, some, um, some citations, some citations. And, you know, I looked at the, my paper from 2014, my first solo paper on, uh, the Dirichlet distribution and that has like 31 citations, but that came out in 2014 from 2014 to 2016. It got like two citations. So that's kind of a, you got to wait a long now, time. Is this the first citation for your, your most recent previous paper or has it been cited by by anyone no, else no no it hasn't okay. been cited but the uh, but the 2014 one that became very popular wasn't really i think it got one citation at the like a year and a half later and then now it has like 30 or 20 something so yeah the the the, the uh the long tail on those can be uh can be interesting yeah, sometimes yeah. it's not for uh it's not for someone who wants instant gratification that's for sure uh but uh but hopefully we'll see more in the future all right, especially since, you know, uh, this is kind of good citation bait because it's, uh, here's my strategy. Okay, here's my strategy. First of all, make it like easy and fun to read. You just read it through. Hopefully it was like, it went down easier than, um, than a lot of academic papers. Like some academic papers are like eating razor blades. <laughs> Hopefully this was like a, a nice milkshake going down. Uh, and secondly, 
it's something that's like general enough that like someone will be interested in this in 10 years. So it's kind of evergreen. So that's my strategy for getting citations. Um, hopefully, hopefully that, uh, that will pay off. Yeah. So, so read up and, uh, and, and share, share it with your friends at your next cocktail party and, and sound like the smartest person in the room. All right. All right. So we're ready for a segment. Let's do it. And now the probability distribution of the week. All right, Aaron, the, probability distribution of the week today's probability distribution of the week we're this is a big day this is a a seminal moment in probability distribution of the week because i we've, think we've, we've arrived yes we finally arrived at the normal distribution i finally broken down and um and we're going to do the normal distribution what does the normal distribution look like well i think that a lot of them look like this but it, it kind of looks like a a bump in the middle and uh you know uh, you're very likely, let me just draw it real quickly. Oh crap. That is a really bad one. No, no, no. I don't think anyone wants this one. Okay. I, I, I'm, but, I'm mentally picturing a, a bell curvish, uh, looking, that's uh, you know, it turns out I can't draw a normal distribution. So <laughs> I'm just going to describe it. Right. It's a bell curve. It's a, it's, it's kind of a, a, it's, it's, you've seen it before. You've all seen it before. Right. Uh, so, okay. It's a, it's a central tendency. It's, it's like, okay, you have a mean, and that's the average. And then you have a standard distribution. And so sometimes you take like the, you, you have like the canonical one where the mean is zero and the standard distribution is, is one and you kind of scale it up. Um, so some interesting things about that. The, the equation is um, um, uh, E to the minus one half X squared. And then if you want to add the mean and the standard deviation, you do like, um, you know, X minus the mean divided by the standard deviation. So it's interesting that you have that minus X squared term. So if you think of X squared, right, what's the graph of X squared? For those of you who took algebra, uh, it's, it's this U shaped. And so minus X squared is this U that's flipped on its, uh, you know, that's, it's this, um, what's a U flipped on? It's, I, I want to say it's an N, but that's not really... <laughs> That's not really an N, is it? It's kind of an upside down parabola. Is, is, is this union and intersection? Is, is, is no, that no, what no. we should be thinking oh, of in maybe. terms of, of symbology? I, I don't think I like that. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, when you take E to that, when you take E to the negative numbers, because it gets real negative real fast off to the sides, that goes to zero. But the, but the top bump is still there. So that's kind of how you think about it. Um, interesting th thing, when you normalize this, there's a, um, there's a pi. There's, a, in fact, a square root of pi in the normalization term. And so that, that comes out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a fun fact. It's like, well, well, where does that th where's that pi come in, and, and how do you um, how do you find the like integral over this over this curve? And it turns out the the best way to find the integral over this curve is to actually find the integral over the two dimensional version of this curve and sort of count the circles going out. And because you have circles, you have uh, <laughs> <laughs> you have pies in there, and then when you go from two dimension to one dimension, you get the square root of pi. Uh, actually, more specifically, the square root of two pi. So the square root of tau, tau is is two pi, which is the correct um, version of pi. Uh, uh, do you disagree on that? Because I know there are lots of like wars on that on how it's the pi versus tau sort of uh, argument. I, like I've never taken it well. I, I wouldn't say that pi is wrong or, or or tau is wrong, but it does seem unnecessary to me to have uh, a, a another constant that is literally just a two times the other constant you have. Oh yeah, yeah. No, it seems it seems redundant, and I I, I, think I assume point... it's because 
uh, different mathematicians arrived at these constants independently, and one used pi and one used tau, and they were doing the same math. But I the- think I, I I think tau was invented more recently, so oh. it was like. We've been using pi, but I think mathematicians started to realize that actually, like they were, pi was originally the um, the ratio of the um, a circumference to the diameter of a circle, and they realized really it should be the circumference to the radius. And two pi radians is one turn, and like that is just more natural, and that would simplify our equations. And so yeah. we should have gone with tau to begin with it's kind of too late to change because everyone's used to pi but um but there is that point that tau is wrong and here's a good case of it where you have that square root of two pi normalization term it's really the square root of tau would tell us oh okay so we it almost suggests like how we were how we were um how we were coming up with it nobody memorizes the digits of tau no no you could be the first yeah, you know, it, memorizing the digits of pi, it was a useless uh, exercise <laughs> anyway, uh, as it turns out. So, um, yeah, if you memorized a thousand digits of pi, I'm sorry, but that was um, that was all for all for naught. Um, all right, so harsh. Yes, so talk about a little bit of the normal distribution. First of all, why does it come up so much? Why do people use it so much? It's and, the, and why is this of all distributions deemed the normal one? Right. I think the reason is because of the central limit theorem. And the central limit theorem says that take any distribution or almost any distribution out there, any continuous distribution for sure, and then pull values from it, get outcomes from it again and again, and like average them together, that would converge towards a normal distribution. So it's almost like every distribution turns into it, which is... uh, when repeated enough times. So that's, and then that means that it's going to appear in a lot of physical processes. Um, also, if you take something like the binomial distribution when it's like, um, when it's finite, but as you know, even the binomial distribution, if you run it and there's something at the, uh, at the Boston um, science museum that has like an example of that with, with all the marbles falling down. I don't know if you've oh, seen it. Like, like yeah. the, is it Pachinko? Yeah, 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 yeah. When they fall down and you see that you still get that nice curve. Um, As you go further and further down in Pascal's triangle, it looks more and more like a normal distribution, even though it's still discrete. So it just comes up everywhere. And so that's why it it comes up in nature a lot, even in like distributions that should be like, even when we were doing the beta distribution last week. um, But if you have a beta distribution, you're trying to find a probability, even though you can't be less than zero and you can't be greater than one. You could still kind of see a normal distribution in there a little bit. Um, and so it, it's good at um, estimating a lot of distributions. And so, and it's also the most like mathematically succinct. I mean, is there anything better than you can do than X squared in terms of mathematical simplicity? It's like, well, it's, maybe it's, X. It's pretty basic. Yeah. Yeah. So my, my, my one guess is maybe X instead of X squared. Um, the problem is you can't have X because then it, like the probability goes off to infinity on one side. So you're like, all right, well, absolute value of X. All right, great. Now you end up with, I think it's called the Laplace distribution. Um, it's used in actually, um, it's used in machine learning as a, a, a regularization term um, called lasso regression. But like, it, it's it's not as nice. It's got a, it's got an absolute value in it. It doesn't, um, doesn't, 
doesn't do well with calculus, you know. Uh, so so I, I have I have two perhaps uh, yeah. very random thoughts that that respond by that. Okay. Um. So so you mentioned the central limit uh, theorem. Sure. Uh. And and I uh, I was recently thinking about New York City. Uh, is there a huh. grand central limit theorem? <laughs> I have no idea. I know I was looking on the website before we started. I know there's lots of different formulations of the central limit theorem uh, besides this basic one, which I, I think the one that creates the normal distribution is the most interesting. I'm sure there's more like in multiple dimensions, and, you know, multiple more abstract situations, but um, maybe maybe we can look at the generalizations of that and de deem one the grand central a limit theorem, but but I don't have that. So so the but, other random thought I had, okay, uh, and and it popped in my head the moment you told me uh, before the show that we were going to be doing the the normal distribution. Sure. Um, is is it is it Young Frankenstein? Is that the movie where they have the whole bit about uh, Abby Normal? So I didn't see that movie. Uh, so you're gonna have to fill me oh, in. Oh yeah, I, it, it it is it is not uh, one that I have I have watched over and over again. So I I, I could be misremembering it, but. Uh, uh, it, I, I believe it is a, a classic uh, Gene Wilder uh, and, and, and I want to say Mel Brooks uh, yeah. film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I know. That I know. I just, I haven't seen it. Maybe I should. I don't, you know. I don't know. Sometimes these old films don't age as well as they should, but I bet that one has. Speaking of old films that don't age as well, uh, I think we're going to have a future episode coming up where we review a, a decade-old <laughs> film. Two decades. Oh, Jesus. Yes. That? Oh, a decade ago right. was 2013. Do oh, oh. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, that's going to be exciting um, because that's our that's the, the film that we made together in, in high school. Um, the thing that I'm going to probably be most annoyed about is the sound quality um, at this point. Um, but all right. Um, that'll be fun. Uh, one more. One last point I want to make about the normal distribution, which is why, like, Nassim Taleb really. Uh, really rails against it a lot is that um it's it's very thin-tailed and so what does that mean that means like when you're one standard deviation away one sigma what is it like two-thirds of the data is within one sigma uh, maybe 95 percent of the data is within two sigma as you go further and further out um it drops precipitously so you're almost never going to see a data point that is like 10 standard deviations away. It's like one of those, not just like almost never like one in a hundred, almost never like, you know, heat death of the universe, stuff like that. So it keeps things very tight. You can't get like a really, um, a really uh, oddball pitch as you can with some other distributions. And a lot of times you want to ask yourself like, can I have a real oddball pitch? And is this going to like Affect, is this going to affect my model if I use a normal distribution for whatever I'm using it for? So that's, that's often a, hmm. a good thing to ask. So, um, for example, a student, a student T distribution, which we're not getting to today but might be in the future, um, that kind of is like a normal, but it allows the standard deviation to float a little bit. So it's like the standard deviation might be several orders of magnitude greater than we think it is in some situations. And so take of that what you will. And so... Uh, well, so so, so we, we mentioned, or maybe it was either mentioned, bell curves uh, yeah. when we were first talking about, is is the classic bell curve a normal distribution, or is that so. not necessarily the case? Uh, I, I believe so. Okay. I believe it's meant to be a normal distribution. Yeah, absolutely. And a normal distribution doesn't like, 
you know, it doesn't bend to one side, like the medium, the median and the mean and the mode are all one and the same, but it's unimodal, you know, just as a single, um, and, and it's, it's exactly symmetrical. So, um, that's always very nice. Now in the re in real world data, when you're actually collecting data on natural phenomenon or or human phenomenon in marketing, you very rarely, uh, get that, um, uh, get that fact where it's like both sides of the distribution right. are, are well. I was going to say it's, it's, it's been a long time since I've been in a course that was graded, um, but I'm I'm trying to remember now when they talk about grading to a curve, uh, are they using a normal distribution or or are they, well, or 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 how are they modifying from that? Yeah, um, I mean I don't think you can because if grades are. Uh, first of all, grades are categorical, or if they're zero <laughs> to a hundred, like you can't actually, um, you know, the, the the problem is if you have if you have a B grade, then you're going to have a certain number of Bs, and the number of As and Cs are going to be equal, but the number of Ds and whatever is better than A is going to be equal. I, I can't happen. So yeah. The, well, there's, I, I there's think the they're, classic argument. Of, I think of... teachers are coming making it up as they go along. Uh, <laughs> yeah. There's there's the classic uh, argument when when you're uh, grading to a curve is oh is is it a B centered curve or is it a C centered curve? Hmm. Well, and, C centered curve you might actually be able to do, but but nobody likes that. Well, yeah, students don't like that. There that might be you might be able to do. Or, or is it at Harvard and it's an A centered curve? Yeah, you might be able to do some kind of a, a like a binomial distribution there, given that it's categorical, uh, or you know you could just say. Look, you can give like A plus, A minus, and have a lot more categories on the upside, but not do it on the downside. I don't know. Yeah, I, 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 I haven't thought in a while. Was, was, it, was it back in our high school that, that uh, the way grade point averages worked, that, that there, was, there was the letter grade, and then pluses and minuses were like 0.4 in one direction or the other. And then if it was an honors course, there was like a, a plus 0.5 or 0.6 or something. There was... It, it, I, yeah. I'm pretty sure it was a 4.0 scale, but if you got like an A plus in an honors class, you could get a five. It was that that's so long ago, but it, it, yeah, the whole thing is wonky. Yeah, yeah. I don't I'm, even know. I'm glad I don't have to deal with that. Does anymore. it even still work that way? Uh, I I don't know. Your kids are going to go to school, and the, well, they're already going to school, but they're going to start receiving grades uh, in a few years, and I think you're going to find that the grading system works under a completely separate set of mathematics than than we have. Well, I, so, <laughs> I my my first grader did get a report card uh, yes. not that long ago, but uh, uh, but that's not as serious. I, I, I was going to say, yeah, at, at that age, I, I think we were still getting like you know not not letter grades as an A B C D, uh, but more as in like you know satisfactory, satisfactory or exceeds expectations or needs improvement. And yeah. and I think it's not exactly that, but I think it's much closer to that paradigm. I don't I don't yeah. know at what, what point was it was probably in like third grade ish that I yeah. feel like it switched over to, to more traditional, uh, yeah. Grading. Yeah. And so we'll, I think we'll, it was very we'll see what happens. Yeah. I mean, uh, grading could just be, um, uh, you know, totally abolished as a oppressive tool of the bourgeoisie well, or something. I, 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 I wasn't following it that closely, <laughs> but I, I, I remember hearing a lot about during, uh, COVID with the move to, uh, to, to zoom school. Yeah, that that a lot of places were doing away with grades for that period because they felt that they couldn't make accurate assessments that it was okay. unfair. So I, yeah. I, not not being in a position where that mattered to me directly, uh, I haven't followed it closely, so I don't know if everybody's gone back to the old ways or some of that's still held over or what. But 
Yeah. We, we shall see. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I, it's, it's, when did it become like schools work completely differently when we were there? Because there was a period when we left school where you could still kind of wrap your head around like it worked the same way. But after a certain period of time, you get old enough and, and things work completely differently. And it's like, well, when did this happen? So yeah, I don't old, really know. Old man yells at clouds. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. All right. I think we're ready to wrap it up. I think we talked about everything we wanted to talk about today. Anything, any last, uh, any last thoughts? Oh, ch- check out the paper. Uh, if, if you have uh, you. reactions, thoughts, ideas, uh, let us know over on the locals. Uh, yes. We're and, eager to talk. And, 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 and this is the last episode in January, I think February. We're going to do a big push to get lots of people on the locals. So hopefully we'll have a much bigger community there uh, in a month. Um, I'm going to put in a lot of work um, to, uh, to try to gin up support for it. So we'll see how successful I am. But I'm, I'm committed to this. So hopefully it'll help me out, Aaron, and, uh, and uh, we'll get up to our 50 supporters. That would be very cool. We're going to get out there with our, our petition and, and start taking names and signatures. Oh, and... yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to be not... Well, yeah, let's be obnoxious. Let's get in people's faces. Let's get them to uh, let's get them to sign up. I think that'll be uh, I think it'll be very good to build this community. So, all right, with that, look forward to that. I've got two great interviews in the can. One is a little bit more political. It's uh, it's someone from D.C., someone on the left side of the aisle, very different from some of the opinions that you've heard here previously. Uh, so that was that was really cool. And then I've got another um uh, another one on natural language processing, which we haven't talked about in a while. Aaron and I have our film review, uh, so to speak, <laughs> coming up. So uh, have a good week, everyone. That's the show. To support The Local Maximum, sign up for exclusive content and our online community at maximum.locals.com. The Local Maximum is available wherever podcasts are found. If you want to keep up, remember to subscribe on your podcast app. Also, check out the website with show notes and additional materials at localmaxradio.com. If you want to contact me, the host, send an email to localmaxradio at gmail.com. Have a great week. Feel the power.